Uh, this week we're starting our, our series, and I have to tell you guys, I'm so excited about this series. I've had this series on my heart for about three years, and uh, it just felt like the right time. Um, we we see stories throughout scripture of transformational moments when someone's name was changed by God. We see a few moments in scripture where someone had a moment that was so transformational that it changed their very identity. And so over the next five weeks, that's what we are going to be diving in and looking at. And this week, we are starting with a story from the book of Genesis, which is the very first book in the Bible. And we're going to be looking at a man named Jacob. And spoiler alert, if you're not familiar with the story, in this story, God changes Jacob's name to Israel. And we're going to look at the significance of that today. But before we dive in here, I believe that during this series, God wants to give some of you a transformational moment. Some of you have been in a place where you're asking God to do something new in your life. And I believe that over the next five weeks, God wants to meet you where you are. And I believe that for some of you, this is the time when God wants to give you a new name and a fresh start and a new story and a new future. That's my prayer for you. So before we dive into this message, before we dive into this series, I want to pray for you that God will speak to you and meet you where you are. Father, I thank you so much for this incredible church that you have planted here on the west side of Paris. And God, I thank you for every person that is in this room today. Lord, I believe that none of us are here by accident, that you have a word for each one of us today. And I pray, Father, that today and over the next five weeks, that you would meet us where we are, that you would give us a new beginning, a new story, and a new future. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we are jumping in today in Genesis chapter 32. And before we jump into the message, I want to give you some backstory. We're going to set the scene. Okay. Some of you know the story of Jacob. Some of you don't know the story of Jacob. And we'll get into the details of his story a little bit later in the sermon. But basically what you need to know for this scene is that Jacob was estranged from his older brother Esau. They were estranged. Jacob had done some really bad stuff to his brother. And his brother had a right to be really angry at him. So the scene that we're walking into is that Jacob and Esau have not seen each other for a couple of decades. And they're getting ready to meet for the first time since Jacob has betrayed Esau. And Jacob is pretty nervous, okay? Jacob is pretty terrified, and he is pretty sure his brother is going to kill him. And unfortunately for Jacob, his brother would have the right to be angry enough to kill him. So we pick up the scene um, in Genesis chapter 32. But what I want you to understand as we dive into this message is that despite your past, God can give you a new future. Despite your past, God can write a new story for you. God can give you a new future. And like Jacob, if I want a changed future, I have to have an encounter with God. If I want a changed future, I must have an encounter with God. We pick this up in Genesis chapter 32, starting in verse 24. And we see this moment where Jacob has an encounter with God. It said that uh, in the verses before that, it says that Jacob has sent his wives and his children and his livestock and all of his things. He has sent them ahead of him. It said after he had sent them across the stream, Jacob was left 
alone. And a man wrestled with him until daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. And then the man said, let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. And as the story moves on, we come to find that the man that Jacob was wrestling with is pretty much agreed to be God or to be an angel of the Lord. And so in this moment, Jacob has an encounter with God. But before his encounter with God, it says Jacob was left alone. Jacob was all alone. I don't know if you've ever been in a dark place in your life, but when I'm in a dark place in my life, either because of poor choices I've made or because poor choices someone else has made, I don't like to be all alone in the silence in those seasons. I would imagine that Jacob in this moment as he was all alone was reminded of all of his failures. He was probably reminded of all the people that he was supposed to have loved well who he had hurt. Jacob had this moment where he was confronted with the God that he had been avoiding. All the noise was gone. All the people were gone. There was nothing left to distract him. And all he had to do was think about the position he'd gotten himself into. Now for me, when I'm, in a, when I'm at a place in my life where I'm in the middle of my failures, I don't really want to talk to God. Maybe I'm alone in that. If I am, Impart your holiness to me after the service. But I find that the, the more I'm living in disobedience to God, the more afraid I am of silence. Because I'm afraid if it gets too quiet, God might speak to me. And I might have to confront what is in the dark places of my heart. And that's what happened to Jacob in this moment. He was left alone in the dark to think about what had led there. The reality is if we want to have an encounter with God, we have to create some space in our lives to hear from God. We have to create some space and some expectation in our lives to hear from God. But Jacob, in this moment, he was ready for transformation. Because whatever God was about to do to him couldn't be worse than what he had gotten himself into. He's getting ready to face his greatest failure. And so whatever God has for him, it can't be worse than what he's gotten himself into. He's ready for a moment of transformation. Now, some of us in this room, we've had encounters with God where God has changed the course of our life. Some people call these God moments. As you're in conversation with someone, they might say, you know, I had a God moment and this is what happened. God spoke to me, or God delivered me from something, or God called me into ministry. Whatever it is, I had a God moment. What they're saying is that they had an encounter with God. Some of us in this room have had a pivot point in our lives where we had an encounter with God, and all of a sudden, the next day was totally different than the day before because we had an encounter with God. Jacob believed that there was something for him in this moment. He believed that there was something for him at the end of this wrestling match that we see. He believed that a blessing was going to come as the result of his pain. And he was not willing to let go of God until there was redemption for the pain that he had walked through. Um, have any of you played Super Mario Brothers ever? Um, I was raised with one sister and... 
We never played video games. Now we play some Mario Kart. Um, but when I was growing up, I had these two older cousins who were boys. And when we went to their house for Christmas, they would play Super Mario Brothers. And I would be like, guys, please let me play. I just know I'm really good at this, you know? And if there's one thing that boys love more than anything else, it's teaching girls how to play video games, right? So we would be playing Super Mario Brothers, and I discovered something called star mode, where sometimes you jump up and you bump the block with your head, and a star comes out, and if you catch it, you're invincible for a couple minutes, right? The star comes out, and then you have this, and you're like, it's so exciting. So when I would play Super Mario Brothers, the star would come out, and I would get so excited that I would just run into the wall over and over and over again, or I would run straight off a cliff, right? And I feel like star mode should save you from falling off of a cliff, but some things in life aren't fair. So I never, or I would just run as fast as I could because I was, you know, so excited that this had happened. But when my cousins played, when they would get a star, they would know just what to do with it. And they would be able to use that as a moment to take them to the next level and to bring them a level of success that they hadn't yet gotten to have in the game. Okay? The star mode didn't keep them alive, but it was a moment where it allowed them to transform and get to the next place that they wanted to go in the game. Sometimes when we have an encounter with God, if we're not ready for it and we choose not to engage in it, we miss the opportunity that God has to take us to a new level in our relationship with him. But if we're ready for transformation, if we're ready for God to meet us where we are, that encounter with God can become a point in our life where we look back and we are never the same. God wants to create moments of transformation in our lives, and we get to choose whether or not to engage with it. Jacob wrestled with God until daybreak. He held on to him and said, I will not let you go until you bless me. Jacob stayed in the game long enough to get what God has for him. If you quit the game early, you're not going to get to where God wants you to be. If you stay in your poor choices and you choose not to engage where God wants to take you, you're going to miss what God has for your life. We have the option to engage and to wrestle and to contend for the promise that God has given us. But in order to do that, we have to have an encounter with God. And in that moment of transformation, God often leads us to confront the reality of who we are. And the reality is if I want a changed future, I have to see myself as I really am moving on to the next verse in the story. Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me. And then the man asked him, what is your name? Jacob, he answered. Now in this moment, Jacob simply gave his name, but in his name was a lot of weight and a lot of history was carried in his name. In Genesis chapter 25, we see the story of Jacob's birth. And it said, by the way, Jacob was Abraham's grandson. So Jacob was coming into a family that a lot of promises had been made. You know, you can imagine every time you get in trouble, it's like your grandfather was promised that he would be made into a great nation. And look at you, you can't even go to bed on time, you know. Um, so as, as Abraham's grandson was being born in chapter 25, it says, when the time came for Jacob's mother, Rebecca, to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. 
The first to come out was red, and his whole body was like a hairy garment. That's an ugly baby. So they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. And in the commentary in my Bible, it says that Jacob's name means he deceives. He deceives. The name bestowed to him at birth was that he was a deceiver. Jacob was born vying for power and position. It says, as, they, as it tells the story of Jacob and Esau growing up, Esau was a man's man. I mean, when you're born looking like you're wearing a hairy garment, I guess, you know, you don't have a lot of options. But it says that Esau would go out and hunt, and he would bring back food for the family. He'd bring back meat for the family, you know. And Jacob would sit around the campfire with his mom. Jacob was a mama's boy, and Esau was the big hunter-gatherer, you know. But Jacob was born vying for power. So Esau, or Jacob tricked Esau into giving away his birthright. In the world at this time, if you were the firstborn, well, if you were the firstborn male, lucky you, because when dad dies, you get all the land, you get all the property, you get the title that comes with it. So Jacob was born second, and he tricked Esau into giving him his birthright. He stole what was Esau's in the birthright. And then when Isaac died, Isaac wanted to bestow onto his oldest son the blessing that he carried as the son of Abraham. And he said, my son, come to me. And Jacob and his mother tricked Isaac into giving Jacob the blessing. So I, uh, Jacob stole the blessing that belonged to Esau. And when Esau came to his father and said, Father, I want you to bless me. His father said, I already gave away your blessing. I'm so sorry. Jacob took everything that Esau had. So when he was asked for his name, it was a moment where he had to confront who he was. The man asked him, what is your name? And he might as well have said, I'm a deceiver. I'm greedy. I'm power hungry. I do whatever it takes to get what I want, and I don't care who I hurt. He, he had to stand there and confront who he was. This is what Walter Brueggemann says about Jacob. He says, he is born to a kind of restlessness so that he must always insist, grasp, and exploit. His life is a trouble, not only to himself, but to those around him. His past had caught up to him, and he was getting ready to face what he had done. And God looked at Jacob and said, who are you? Do you see how helpless you are? Do you see how hopeless you are? Do you see how impossible it is for you to get yourself out of this situation? See, I have to take a hard look at who I really am, because if I believe the lie that I'm doing great on my own, I'm going to believe that I can transform my future in my own power. But when I stop and take a hard look at my failures, it reminds me that I have to rely on the power of God to change me. Now, this sounds like it could be a cruel moment for God to sit there and say, tell me about your failures. Tell me how rotten you are inside. Tell me how helpless you are. It sounds cruel, but we have to look at God's response to this in verse 28. He says, my name is Jacob. And then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and you have overcome. And then Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? And then he blessed him there. See, when I'm faced with the gravity of my failures, that's when I come to my realization of my need for the work that was done for me by Jesus Christ. 
It's only when I take a hard look at the mess I've made of my own life that I come to the realization that transformation is only possible if I open my hands to receive the grace that God has for me. Jesus is in the business of unfair exchanges because Jesus asks of me to repeat back my failures. All the people I've hurt, all the wrong I've done. Jesus says, give it to me, give it to me. And then he takes it and in its place, he gives me new life and a new name. If I want a changed future, I have to open my hands to receive God's grace. Jacob went to bed that night as a deceiver, as an overreacher, as someone who did whatever it took to get his own way. And he woke up as someone who had a fresh start, a new identity, an identity of promise and blessing. He carried a name that would become the name of a nation. He carried a name that a people would be proud of. I am of Israel. I'm an Israelite. We're God's people. That was the name that God gave to that man who was a failure and a deceiver. He gave him a new promise and a new future. The only way that Jacob's striving for power and position could be tamed was through an encounter with the living God. And rather than give up on him and pass him by and choose someone else, God chose to give him a new name and a new hope and a new future. The beautiful thing is that God does for Jacob what is now available to each one of us through the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. In Romans chapter 5, Paul writes this. Paul says, God demonstrates his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, Christ offered us a new identity and a new name. God saw that we were hopeless. He saw that we were vying for power. God saw that we were selling our souls for things that were worthless. And rather than give up on us, he engages us in relationship. He allows us to be broken and restored. And he promises us a hope and a future. See, what Jacob asked for was a blessing. He said, I will not let you go until you bless me. But what God gave him was something even better. It was a new name. See, the the thing is, it's not what we do to deserve the blessing of God. It's what we do with the blessing that we don't deserve. We keep trying to figure out how to get God to bless us. We laughed about it in our small groups uh, last week because one of the ladies said that her pastor growing up said, write yourself a check for a million dollars and put it on your wall and you trust that God is going to allow you to cash that check. And I said, I hope God does cash your check. And then you can tithe on it and we can buy a building with that money. Praise the Lord. But sometimes we try to find the way to draw a blessing out of God. And we wrestle with him and you say, God, bless me. Bless me. You do what I want you to do. It's not figuring out what we need to do to get the blessing from God. It's figuring out what we do with the fact that we have already been blessed in ways that we did not deserve. See, I believe that God wants to birth something in you and through you, just like he birthed a nation out of Jacob. The story of Jacob is a precursor to what will happen in all of creation. There's a wrestling and a suffering, but it's not a suffering with no point. Romans chapter 8 says this. I love this verse. Paul says in Romans 8, verse 18, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. Our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the creation waits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. 
For the creation was subjected to frustration in hope that the creation itself will be liberated from its bondage to decay and brought into the freedom and the glory of the children of God. The story ends in verse 30 and 31. It says, Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, It is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. You know, Jacob thought an encounter with God would kill him. But Jacob discovered the same thing that I have discovered, which is that in my bleakest and darkest moment, God isn't there to kick me while I'm down. God is there to reach down and pull me up and take me to a new place in him. And then the sun rose above him as he placed, as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. So you remember at the beginning of the story, the man wrenched Jacob's hip socket, and he walked with a limp for the rest of his life. Let me tell you that that limp was a gift to Jacob. That limp was a gift to Jacob because every step Jacob took, it reminded him of the moment that God changed his name. Every step that he took, I'm sure it hurt him for the rest of his life. Every step he took, he said, I had an encounter with the living God, and he changed me, and he gave me a hope and a future. See, the truth is that I would rather walk with a limp in following God's plan for my life than feel whole while I'm following my own plans for my life. I don't mind the world seeing evidence of the ways that God has changed me. My limp comes from my refusal to give up. I didn't give up. I stayed in the game, and I sought God even when I didn't want to. I refused to give up in the middle of the night when I was tired and I was all alone. And that limp reminds me that God didn't leave me in that place, but he called me by name. And he gave me a hope and a future. I've seen the faithfulness of God in the dark of night. And there has to be a fundamental belief that even in the middle of the pain, in the middle of the thing that I am the most afraid of the night before the battle, that ultimately God is still working for my good. And that the pain and the hopelessness that I had before Christ reminds me of the fact that I've met with the living God. Mariana, would you come and prepare to lead us um, in worship? We're going to take communion together in just a moment, so if the ushers can start preparing that. We often, we often resist God because we're afraid of the limp. Uh, my grandfather, well, my people are from West Virginia, so we called my grandfather Papa, not grandfather. And uh, my Papa was a hateful man when he was a young man. He was abusive to his children. He was unfaithful to his wife. He was a nightmare. He was a horrible man. And uh, my Papa had an encounter with God when my dad was in university And it changed his life. He was never the same again. And the grandfather that I knew as a child, man, I remember sitting next to him in church and seeing tears stream down his face when he would sing hymns. I watched the tenderness with which he treated his grandchildren. God transformed his life. He was never the same. But you know what? His children walk with a limp because they remember the pain that they went through. In the history of my family, we walk with a limp, but that limp reminds us of the goodness of God in the transformation that he blessed us with in our family. When my grandfather died, my dad said, I want to write on his tombstone, redeemed by God's grace. Right underneath his name, James Delp, redeemed by God's grace. Only the power of God can take a man that's talked about in hushed tones as hateful and abusive and unfaithful. He's an adulterer. 
but no more. Now he's redeemed by God's grace. God redeems us in ways that we do not deserve and that we cannot understand because he has a better story to write for us than we have to write for ourselves. So my question for you today is how long will you stay in the place you are now? How long will you resist the place that God wants to take you to? When will you, like God, change your story? See, I'm not condemned to continue in the choices that I have made. Even the choices I made yesterday. I'm not condemned to continue in those choices because God wants to give me a new name. He wants to write a new story for my life. Hey, this is Kelly, lead pastor of the Bridge International Church. We hope you enjoyed this week's message from The Bridge. If you'd like more information about The Bridge, or if you'd like to get in touch with us, visit us at thebridgeparis.com.